equals spin The propaganda's win Stress feeding on my attention My countrymen, they love their fiction Words are now Displayed with good intentions Welcome to 200 This is another episode of Current Events from your favourite politics and media people <laughs> Podcast I, I said podcast already uh, how frustrating. We're obviously off to an incredible start on this wonderful Saturday morning. I'm joined by my co-host, Rusty. How are you doing? I'm not doing too bad, Carl. Thank you. I have been up since six um, and I am fully cooked on the news. Uh, I have been up for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> what a perfect combination. That's exactly what you want in a conversational podcast. Um, two people unhinged in completely different ways, trying to find a middle ground. We're all centrists here. This morning, we get to talk about the election again. Uh, it's been three weeks and the special votes and the entire count uh, has has been completed again. It's not just the special votes, everyone, as much as people in the media are trying to make out that it's this, this tiny little thing that's taken three weeks to do. Uh, but first, our regular ongoing genocide in Gaza update, it continues to be fucked. This morning, uh, I woke up and read the news and Israel had bombed an ambulance convoy that had been notified uh, to the Red Cross and to Egypt. It was trying to take people uh, to Egypt to get treatment. Uh, and the IDF said, oh, there's probably some Hamas people near it and bombed it twice. So it's looking pretty bad out there. There are, again, protests around Aotearoa for Palestinian liberation. Uh, you're not going to get a chance to go to those off the back of this podcast because they happened on Saturday, which it is the morning of here. The media environment uh, around Gaza is slowly starting to shift. Uh, we're seeing more and more come out from institutions where the where support for Gaza or criticism of Israel has been suppressed. We're starting to see leaks from the US State Department just this morning as well. There are some stories coming out of there. Uh, talking about the way in which uh, research into an investigation into Israeli war crimes uh, was having the kibosh put on it um, within the State Department. It's, yeah, reaching hopefully some kind of breaking point at, at that decision-making level, particularly in the United States. Whether or not it'll break in, in a way that is good is another matter. Biden and uh, Blinken seem pretty fucking hell-bent on allowing uh, Israel to to completely ethnically cleanse Gaza. Yeah, how, how, have, how, how have you been following all of this, Rusty? Yeah, I see the news as much as anyone does. I, I have so little else to add. Like, it's incredibly grim. And just the, you know, we've done this so many times before, and every time it gets worse, that this is just a replay of 2014 or 2007 i think you know the 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 just cut the grass cycle but this time the is you know israeli leadership yeah solving the it's, it's a one state solution but not the one that people who propose the one state solution aim for right it's they have just decided the way to solve the gaza problem is to fucking kill everyone and other than protest and to put pressure on our own governments to to realign their position, the just complete rank powerlessness 
that you feel around any of this is, is why I, I generally don't, you know, talk about it because it's just fucking horrifying. And to the extent that the imperial kind of center are beginning to shift their position is probably because Israel's beginning to feel the job's largely done. At least in this case, it gets attention. Like, it's the one thing that kind of gets me is this is nothing new. We had the Saudis doing this for five years in Yemen, only worse for with very little opposition, very little attention, and now also US backed. Oh no, absolutely also yeah. US backed. And I've seen a lot of people sort of beginning to say, oh, this is finally the point where the West will learn where you know Western leaders will will see that their people are against them. So they don't give a shit. They will learn, they learn nothing. The 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 one thing, you know, there's the the foreign policy consensus on is on the 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 rightness and the the justification of fucking you know the the role of the american state um and its outriders yeah i i have very little to add like there are other sources out there i found the the radio warner podcast has been pretty good um in terms of just cutting through the fucking poisoned information space that exists around this as well. This is the other reason I, I don't get any news about this from Twitter um, because there, there are so many people, particularly on the Israeli side, but also you, you know, see some exaggerations and, and people overreacting to things on the Palestinian side, because it's inevitable with a situation like this where internet and power have been cut off. But yeah, it put, yeah, I'm sorry. I've got, I've got nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. bad, right? There'll be more protests. Go to them. It's we we had a podcast out yesterday um, with uh, Dr. Josephine Vargas and Dr. Adam Arata uh, talking about foreign policy response from New Zealand. So go listen to that if you want a, a more uh, fulsome rundown of what's happening at a political level here. One of the other things happening in this space, uh, as you know, the uh, a mass public uprising against what's happening in Gaza. A number of governments around the world um, becoming a little more fascistic uh, around the issue. Um, we are seeing legislation being proposed in both France and Germany um, in the last couple of days to make criticism or insults to Israel um, more or less illegal. It's really looking like some of these people are... are taking their chance to seize a little more power. And it's that's really worrying to me as we're moving into like a series of crises here that are going to really put pressure um, on Western liberal democracy. And that's just cons a consistent pattern with Macron in France at this point, right? That uh, the the uh, this attempt to control the French street because they have a, a history and culture of protest that um, we just do not have uh, in the Anglo in the Anglo world, um, but the kind of, yeah, centre-right authoritarianism um, that that he's leaned in for, um, and this is, yeah, another example of that. And we're, yeah, yeah. today it's about Israel, but it won't be forever. No, It'll be and in the, the UK thing, it's the next thing. even worse. Oh. Um, <laughs> protest marches are now being labelled as hate marches. You know, this has been something, we've even been seeing it in New Zealand as one of, like, a, a very key form of propaganda is to say that everyone marching in support of Palestine is pro-Hamas, uh, if not uh, anti-Semitic, if not um, actively 
seeking to overturn Western liberal democracies and yeah, reinstall Nazism. Right? Look, it's it's that level of just outrageous uh, defamation uh, in in these spaces. But in the UK, you're seeing that from the foreign secretary uh, instead of uh, I guess what I call a handful of. I don't, actually, I don't even know the word to describe um, the group of people uh, in New Zealand media and politics spaces who are actively running these lines and being given a platform to do it. It's fucking disgusting. Anyway, let's move in. We, we'll continue to, to, to cover Gaza and we'll, we'll be covering it every week in current events uh, as as long as it, it continues, which is, you know, uh, Netanyahu has said it could be up to 10 years. So that's horrible. But we've got other current events uh, to cover as well. Here in New Zealand, uh, we have just had the count back. And so we know how many votes every political party got. And this has been uh, going on for three weeks since the election day proper. It is a full count of all the votes, uh, as well as a reorganization of the special votes. So those are votes that were either from overseas, were votes uh, that were taken at polling booths that weren't the home booth of the person making the vote, or the votes of people who signed up on the day. Uh, So a really important uh, part of our our democratic process, uh, ensuring accessibility and uh, correctness um, Mm. of the electoral system. What have you made of the really sad and pathetic uh, attempts to undermine this? Yeah, so the the special vote process and the reason it takes as long as it does, and I thought Gray Mitchell's right of this and he's been great in the media going around and, and making this case, but it's effectively the Electoral Commission and our electoral laws make it as easy as possible for anyone who's entitled to vote to vote. You just have to show up. If you're not enrolled, you can enroll. If you, you don't need ID, we, we make it as easy to access the democratic process as we can. What that means is there is some need to check and validate on their part that they have to go through the special votes and ensure that, you know, all of them were were legitimately cast. Um, I think it's around one and a half percent of them turn out to have problems of some kind, which is usually that, you know, someone's messed up the forms <laughs> um, rather than, you know, I think instances of double voting are like, 10 people across the country like like anything that's um not even necessarily fraudulent i could easily imagine forgetting that you'd voted and then voting second time two weeks later um so but we make the process as easy as we can so that everyone can vote for whatever reason and i I genuinely don't know how to classify um patrick gow's objections to this whether he's sort of being just a useful idiot who's got a bit between his teeth got told off by people on twitter and now won't leave it alone but from some other parties, when you've got people like, um, you know, the the kind of ex-party outrider cabal saying, basically beginning a conversation about whether special votes are even legitimate. That's what worries me is it's the, this really laudable step in the process that we still have that a lot of other, you know, um, certainly the rest of the Anglosphere doesn't have, um, that we make voting easy. What that turns out to mean is that often the people who are special voting are younger, browner, poorer, more housing insecure, 
um, than the population as a whole. And they, on average, but by no means like all of them, are more left-leaning uh, than the, the country as a whole. We'll come to that in terms of the effects there. But just in terms of like defending the institutions of, of New Zealand democracy, if people begin to try to undermine their legitimacy, is it's us. Electoral law is nerd shit at times, but this one, this one's so important, especially the on-day enrollment changes, which came in in 2020. Just the number of people who were able to special vote to, to show up on the day um, having not enrolled before in terms of getting young people engaged in the process and, and creating voters for life kind of thing. It's so important and we cannot let it get undermined. So yeah, hopefully that that goes away. The, I think we shouldn't confuse that for thinking that the Electoral Commission is beyond criticism. They definitely could have done better in terms of the um, availability of like the, the paperwork you need to enrol. Um, yeah, it was pretty bad for on. Maori in particular. Yeah, um, in the Maori seats and in um, other seats, which our high proportion of special votes, they were um, by some accounts running out of forms. Shit like that shouldn't happen. And they do a full post-match debrief um, that hopefully you know, identifies those problems and fix them next time. But we shouldn't confuse that with attempts to undermine their overall job, which they should be lauded for. It's a three-week wait. Like, for fuck's sake, the Americans have a two-month wait for the president to, to be sworn into office. The Belgians have gone, I don't know, six years without a government. Like, the, the, the three weeks that it takes for us to find out the answer, like, calm down. <laughs> And an answer which most people kind of expected. This right? is the thing. Like, it's not like nothing's been happening um, behind the scenes while we've been waiting. Like, Luxon, Luxon's people have been talking to Peters' people and have been talking to Seymour's people um, now that they know the, the shape of things, which maybe we should just um, run Yeah, on. but let's talk about that. Um, how how right were you? Um, resident uh, poll master... Yeah. Rusty of the overhang. So biggest picture, yeah, I was I was right. There's like an eighty percent chance that this would be the outcome, um, and it is. We'll get into why where where and why I was wrong. But um, it so you've got national on forty nine effectively because they'll get this weird extra seat from Port Waikato. Act on eleven. So between them, they've only got fifty. Well, fifty eight at the moment, and we'll have sorry fifty nine at the moment. They'll have sixty by the, the end of proceedings, uh, which is not enough because there's 123 seats in Parliament um, because of the overhang um, from Te Pāti Māori, but we'll get to that. Um, so effectively, they're dependent on New Zealand First um, to have the votes on confidence and supply. We could speculate um, as much of the media is as to exactly what form those arrangements are going to take, but I, I do want to disabuse people of two notions if you're still for whatever reason holding on to them there's not going to be a second election there is absolutely no incentive on peter's part or luxon's part to allow that to happen you know they can unhappily cohabit for three years and carry out the agenda that honestly in a lot of cases despite the aesthetic differences they're agreed on and Seymour will do what he's told. <laughs> like, so that's not happening. Peters is not. I've seen people being like, oh, with these changes, Peters could form up with the Labour Party. This is not happening. No Allow one, people some copium. <laughs> no, no cope. This isn't I on the night of the election, you can sort of let people feel their feelings, but like fucking 
clear-eyed, ice-cold embrace of reality. Like, we're stuck with a right-wing government that's depended on two slightly cooked far-right parties um, who fortunately hate each other. Um, I think... That's the ray of hope. This is, this is the, it's like, I, I did not want New Zealand first back in Parliament. Um, it, we would have been better, especially with what some of the new people they've picked up in their their absence um, are genuinely part of the sort of this far-right populist conspiracy movement um, and are going to have some interesting uh, interactions with their new colleagues about like, so you wanted to Nuremberg me last week? <laughs> um it would be better if that hadn't happened. It has a situation where National is dependent on both Act and New Zealand First rather than having their choice between them is a better one in terms of like maintaining some of the um, progressive gains that the Labour Party has made. Unfortunately, some of the areas of, of overlap between the three of them, unsurprisingly, target, you know, Māori, gender minorities um, and, you know, public sector workers. <laughs> So we'll see. But it's better that there's that constraint there, I think. In terms of the, the parties that left, Labour um, unchanged on the specials, so 34 seats. Um, the Greens went up by one um, to 15, which is, um, as I'm sure people, anyone who follows anyone in the Green Party at this point will tell you, is their best result ever. Um, what? It couldn't be. Yeah. No, sure, surely not. I haven't seen anyone right? posting about um, that. But, but you know, best result ever, 15 MPs, um, with Kaharangi Kata uh, joining the um, the caucus. But the most interesting story, I think, in, in terms of the effect of specials is to Pāti Māori, um, who have now taken six out of the seven Māori seats, um, picking up Te Tai Tokoro from um, Calvin Davis uh, and uh, Tamaki Makoto. Um, from Penihana there as well. So that, yeah, the just almost complete victory for Te Pāti Māori in, in the Māori seats, except for Ikaroa Rāwhiti, where that, it's kind of funny. Like, party, honestly, I'm a believer in party loyalty, so I'm not entirely unhappy to see Faiteri lose there, although it is also Labour's strongest seat out of the Māori seats, so it's, it's not a surprise. But yeah, the, the swing that they've seen there, because there are, you know, quite a lot more special votes as a portion of the total votes in the Māori seats, has seen them in. So it's a, a record victory for them as well. Yeah. I, like, I've seen a bit of this going around on social media, a combination between, you know, we were saying, like, people saying best result ever, and then other people saying, like, why are people celebrating this? It's actually really bad. Uh, yada, yada, yada. I mean, yes. But I feel like, and I hate to say both sides, but it feels like both sides were formatively overcooking this. Yeah, I... I... Look, we are a a, a balanced centrist podcast, um, so I think we can <laughs> we can absolutely both sides something like this. Yeah, big picture, fucking sucks. Can have a debate about why that happened, um, <laughs> which is probably longer than what we're aiming for today. But yeah, the Labour Party needed to win four five percent more of the vote from National. That's yeah. straightforward. I, you know, that sucks. We lost. They won. <laughs> yeah, and I'm certainly not going to begrudge people like who worked on the. Uh, green campaign uh mm. you know celebrating like it, it, it's a big number it's a big number and i think long term the greens need to be able to threaten labor's voter base from mm -hmm. the left that's a core part of of the end now with the you know, Tapati Māori's politics are not entirely like you can't reduce them to a simple left-wing position, but certainly they ally with progressive um, forces um, in their current form. So the fact that in 
sort of two out of the three labor heartlands, inner cities, um, and the Māori seats, there's now pressure. The third one being sort of your South Auckland, West Auckland, and um, you know, outer less advantaged uh, urban area seats. Um, the fact that those bases now have options in terms of who they vote for and can put, you know, impose political consequences on the Labour Party for being insufficiently progressive, um, as well as the ability for, you know, the mortgage-having, um, jonky-loving, Jacinda-maniac uh, centre voters that, that Labour loses to the national. That, that's important. And I think that the biggest thing for me out of the Greens victory is obviously as a Wellingtonian, I'm super happy uh, and and proud of the the campaign that Tamitha Paul and Julian Genta, uh ran. They managed to get the party vote, first in the party vote in Wellington. So that's good. But more importantly, really, it's the success that the Professor Collins and the campaign across um, the South Auckland seats has had, the increase in the party vote share in um, Panmure Otavahu, and then sort of a spillover effect into some of the other neighbouring seats. Um, there was a tiny sign of that in 2020, and there's it's beginning to happen. And so finding the right messages, the right messengers, building the campaign machinery out there to, to reach out to those communities, I think is... In terms of staying in the mid-teens and, if necessary, getting into the 20s if Labour continue to be disorganised yeah. um, is really important. So I think there are things to be happy about. And I think the, the Māori Party especially, genuinely, as as a party who doesn't necessarily care as much about Labour and Labour's successes, should absolutely be proud of their campaign. Um, but And I think you kind of touched this um, in the, the previous discussion right about that like the left does need at least for the moment a strong labor party to to succeed electorally but that's probably a conversation for another day yeah i like short term we're looking at a bad three years like i i think that's that's pretty clear but mid to long term like this is what the left probably well no i shouldn't say probably needed but there are angles for the left here that are served by both the greens and the party maori getting more voices in parliament and and one of those is just a purely a resource argument because that is more people who are representing their communities and getting paid for it um and able to set up branches uh, and organize more effectively and then for the greens as well that's more tithing that goes into the party coffers um because each of their mps gives i think 10 percent of their paycheck back to the party uh this is going to be a level of resource and influence that the that probably pulls the green party past an electoral threshold if they effectively use it um and that's going to be the big question for me that is that is the big question i think now having a national government makes it fortunately substantially easier that there's no longer this you know there was a real debate and i still don't really know where i fell down on it um in terms of taking an oppositional stance towards the labor government um none of those arguments need to be had now i know it's fantastic we kind can of finally across, be aligned across the board there are going to be a series of issues that um labor the greens and Te Pāti Māori can really sink their teeth into in terms of motivating their base i i'm honestly hopeful that Chris Luxon learns from John Key and takes on board the advice to not go down the path of like abolish the Treaty of Waitangi, abolish the Māori seats. Because of, as I've said before, like 
fucking a benign national party is one of the most important things. And they would be like, it would be, I'm trying to think of the right word to describe how outraged <laughs> I buy and everyone else would be of like just an attack on the fucking fabric of our society that that would be like, you know, Jonky had the hickoys from hell line and it's like, well, yes, this would be very unpopular, but that's not the fucking point. It's like you would be hacking at the fucking seams of the, the, the systems that hold this country together and, and that's the that, intent, right? That's the fucking well, intent. That's the intent from Seymour um, the like. from from Seymour. Um that the forms of kind of recognition, inadequate as they are, that that we've um given to the treaty um in the you know ways that Maria represented within the the, the system. Yeah, the so I, I hope that we don't actually have to have that fight, but if they do go down that path. I think the opportunities for rallying opposition to it, um, especially with six to party Māori MPs, there is still a, a Labour Māori caucus. I think the Greens have um, got a pretty significant Māori caucus mm-hmm, this time mm-hmm. around as well. So the, the existing parliamentary opposition is there for it, but the more than any other issue, like no, you're not going to get 100,000 people on the lawn of parliament over repealing the oil and gas ban, um, much as I might like that to happen. Um, but this is the kind of, those are the kind of things. And I think the big test for me and for the Labour Party is for the union movement, just how riled up can you get your people about the repeal of the fair pay agreements? Yeah. And we should be organising that since, like... I, I really hope... Weeks ago. Some, yeah. Um, to, you know, we've seen over the last six years, honestly, but especially over the last three, the success of a kind of negative from the right um, bad vibes campaign, <laughs> effectively, on, on Three Waters, on co-governance... You can't see the big inverted commas that I'm doing there um, on speed limits on all of these little issues that because they have a paid, you know, full-time paid staff getting three million bucks a year in donations um, to run these campaigns. Um, I wonder who you could be able- talking about. But, you know, um, it's been effective in some ways um, to just fucking pollute the vibes. Um, yeah, and, and I think sort of the main issue of that is we know it's happening and then the media just fucking run it. Like it's been so frustrating to watch that. Like, okay, why why is why is the media running twelve months of attacks on Nanaya Mahuta as um local governance minister, you know? Like where is this coming from? Everyone knows, uh, but it's just been platformed again and again. And I think without that pipeline, those astroturf groups on the ground just would not have the same impact. No. No, witness like the absolute struggles that any groups on the left have to have to hold themselves together, build themselves up with real people over time, which is, I, I want to be careful. This is, I'm not saying that there wasn't genuine opposition in some corners of the population to some of these proposals. Like, we had a whole podcast about it. Yeah, yeah. But the political use that it can be put to, because there is this structure there and the knowledge sharing across borders um with with how campaigns have succeeded overseas like in, anyway we need to do not that i think this is the other thing is that the point here is not just to again fucking pull at the the fabric of electoral democracy from the other side although maybe the point is that for some people well we, we um, don't have it's no not where access, i fall down we don't have access to the mechanics to do that 
Like, no, we, we just don't like the, the left does not have the ability to tap into and hack media and political institutions in the same way that the right wing does. This is just or to the extent that there are those cracks, um, you know, Craig Rennie would oh, yeah. did the best job out of anyone in the election. Um, and people like him are seen as credible sources for mainstream journalists. So the extent that the, you know, the one group of kind of paid up full-time union economists. Yeah, but he had to fucking there. nail it and he had to have that data. Did. He couldn't just buy it, right? He couldn't just no, buy no. it. No, no. But it is, there are going to be opportunities. Like, yeah. I don't think the media on a personal level have a pro-national bias. I think they have some built-in neoliberal kind of politics in some quarters, but it's not true of all of them. But mostly they have a pro-drama bias and it's going to be finding things with news value to yeah, leverage attacks on the government over. Um, but finding these causes that like that mobilize people, right? Um, actually build something. Actually build something. And like, I am not the guy to talk about how to do this. I just have spreadsheets <laughs> and look at numbers, but cause you know, we all contribute in our own ways or whatever, but like, yeah, the, the, that's what it has to be because like, we can't fuck it. This is, we can't afford a repeat of the John Key era and Labour going through the fucking cycle of various yeah. Davids. They need to get their shit together, eh? Like, they, they, they really their... need to, like, fucking knuckle down now and say, oh, wait, and we fucked up. We fucked up. Let's learn from it. Let's get good. Um, because fucking events happen now. Like, we're back in history and it sucks. And we can't afford a, an Asterian government in response to that, I think. Yeah. That's what worries me the most is none of the things that lost Labour the election have gone away. And what? to a certain <laughs> yeah, to a certain extent, like good luck, Chris. They're your problem now, including Winston. Yeah, um, I have fun. to fuck it up. Well, I don't hope they fuck up but, emergent disaster response. Yeah, well, right? with, a, with as this little is, harm to the public as possible. It's yeah. But yeah, this is a horrible thing, right? I think long term they will fuck it up. Um in some certain ways. Anyway. Coalition negotiation is going to happen. We'll see what that looks like. I, there's not much value in speculation, I don't think. I think um, we should. I think we deserve a little bit of speculation as a treat. Yeah. So Peters is the one with some leverage, like more leverage than anyone else in the situation. Um, why do we say that? I, I just want to get to the why. Why do we say that he has leverage and not say David Seymour when they're like on similar kind of numbers? On similar, it's just the. Ability for centrist parties to credibly form governments with either the left or the right is what gives them leverage. I, the notion that New Zealand First Our Centrist is, I think, out of date at this point. They're just a far right party that sometimes will support a Labour government um, out of personal peak. If the reaction is right, as like yeah. probably the best way to think of them. Yeah, it's the um, but because they had that strategic ambiguity, they have more leverage in coalition negotiations. I don't think that is as important as a lot of people make out. Like, this is a forever argument about the Greens' position, and I think the same applies to ACT. It's, you know, they want to take the overall policy centre further left or further right. That's a harder lift. That's a harder job. You don't get to have, oh, we'll go with national, or oh, we'll go with labour leverage. Um, the reason I say Peters has some more leverage is, like, labour have ruled them out. The media have ruled out that happening. There's absolutely no way the Greens and Party Māori, um, with their internal democracy, would sign off on it. Um, so it's not happening. So kind of his only leverage is, fuck it, I'll 
blow it off and make you do it again. In which <laughs> and case, he, he feels like the kind of guy who would, right? He's not thick, though. They, no, I don't think he's going to. No, they're one percent above the threshold. If they are blamed for negotiations breaking down, half of that will just go to national. Mm-hmm. Um, to an extent, they all have an incentive to to form some kind of deal. If I was a betting man, I'd say it'd be a minority government with two coalition confidence and supply agreements rather than coalitions, which is how John Key ran things um, during his terms. That He had slightly more votes, though, didn't he? He had slightly more votes, but that didn't matter. Um, well, the one thing that did matter is early on, he only needed like two out of three of Action United Future Interparty Māori yeah. made deals with all three of them. Yeah. In this case... Luxon needs both. But I think in terms of managing the personalities, if nothing else, I think having a kind of national has a relationship with ACT. This is a, a polygamous relationship, not a um, polycule, right? Um, national has a relationship with New Zealand First. National has a relationship with ACT. ACT does not have a relationship with New Zealand First. <laughs> Um, I think is the kind of whatever form it takes, whether David Seymour ends up as the side piece or Winston Peters does, um, or they both do, I I don't know. But I think that's the the kind of core of it. And it's it's consistent with what Labour did with the Greens in New Zealand first in yeah. 2017. It would be that would be the best option for National. Like, yeah. If and I don't think this is possible, but if National could somehow adopt shared policy and not give any ministerial posts away. <laughs> that's what they're going to want to do. Yeah. Um, I oh, well, that doesn't seem viable. Doesn't seem viable. There are ministerial posts they can give away that have either relatively little consequence, um, like Ministry of Racing. Yeah, Ministry I was going to say the same one. Hilarious. Ministry of Rural Development, um, whatever those things are, the Glamour Ministries. Uh, give them another 50K to their pay packet. The Winston Peters as Foreign Minister question is an interesting one because that's kind of his standard ask at this point. But with the the Foreign Ministry might actually matter yeah. <laughs> in yeah, I mean, this term. Who in national can even do it? You know what? I don't actually know who their Foreign Affairs spokesperson is. Um, I think it's Brownlee. He's going to be Speaker, though. Oh, you think it's so, locked in? Oh, I can't imagine it would be anyone else. Um Fuck do I know? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so there'll be some issues. I think the other one with ACT that's more important is they will get associate ministries where there are things yes. that National want to do but that are unpopular. And I think that will be in health, specifically about Pharmac. Pharmac, yep. And I think it Little will be motherfucker in Todd Stevenson. the only LGBT member of the governing parties, um, as it turns out, in a government that has no Pacifica members. Um, and, is it, and is a eugenicist to boot. So, and probably the only one who's openly made eugenics arguments on national television. Did you see that interview? I did not. That's the same one where he um, talked about all the business people diversity, which I, I think I clipped, where he's like, we got business people, we've got people who went to who did economics at university, we've got small business people, and we've got people who work in a corporate environment, and we're bringing that diversity with the ACT Party. But in the same interview, uh, he was making an argument for only funding uh, medicines through Pharmac on the basis of productivity. So medicines that would get people back into work Fucking hell! yeah real nasty shit man Ooh, man see i was just assuming that the approach there would be 
dismember Pharmac or kneecap Pharmac so that they stop driving down the negotiated prices I mean, with the pharmaceutical companies. Well, yeah, but if that's fucking hell. Um, but yeah, then I think education is the other one, um, whether that's... Yeah, they tried that before, right, with John Key. Um, yeah. Um, oh, we have to do it because we need ACT. Yeah, I don't think it'll be charter schools this time around. I think it'll be fucking with the curriculum, if anything. National already uh, signaled that themselves as well, right? Yeah, and like, do national care enough to keep a closer hand on that and use it as an opportunity to like maybe unpick some of the things that have happened under Labour that are problematic around like approaches to reading that I'm not qualified to talk about or whatever. Maybe, but do they care enough? I don't. I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that whatever that looks like, I think we'll find out in one or two weeks' time, um, and then we'll be into having a national government again and seeing what that is like. But I thought so far, since Luxon and etc. Et, et have been front to the media um, as the prime minister, the incoming prime minister, very little. Um, it's an incredibly <laughs> well. It's just an incredibly easy test, right? Like all you need to be able to do is sort of say. Negotiations are ongoing. I'm not going to comment on that. Like, and and there's it's the kind of situation with the press gallery where you won't get the third follow up question because there's legitimately nothing for them to, to push you on. Like, you're not yep. going to talk about negotiations, so it's a an easy test run. Um, it'll the real test for him, I think, will be once we're through the honeymoon period and the first the first event, right? I don't, who knows what it'll be. Um, it's probably going to be storms, let's be honest. Um, but what, whatever that first event that he will have to front, that'll be the real test, I think, for him. Because um, I think we've said before, I don't think he's that quick on his feet. And I, I don't think it's a talent in his caucus either. Yeah, there's there's a couple of them who will do a good job if they're put in the right ministries. Um, but... Yeah, this is, this is, I think, the other thing. This is not John Key's National Party. And, like, I might not have liked some of the policies that they implemented, but they were capable of implementing them. That's, you don't got to hand it to them, but they were at least competent. We will see who those people are over the next few years because um, some of the things they want to do are not easy. Like, it's easy to just say we're going to repeal this, that, and the other thing, but you actually need, you can't actually just repeal the RMA. <laughs> yeah, it's already looking um, like they're not going to be able to deliver their tax cuts potentially because Winston Peters might stop them. They would love to have Winston Peters' as an excuse not to do that, I reckon. Um, they've known the books have been in trouble um, for yep. a year, but they had to make those promises. Um, and now that they can blame Winston for it, that's made Nicola Willis's job, I think, somewhat easier. Good, I mean, honestly, good for the public as well, because as mm. long as the media picks it up, it finally gives the lie to this idea that a party can rule something in or out um, as a major party. Uh, yeah, well, you can always rule something out, but you don't have control over ruling things in. Ruling in, not doing tax cuts. What, yeah. what what do you think the chances are of the first kind of crisis event for National being on the back of this mini budget that they have planned uh, before Christmas? I don't see that as that's the kind of crisis you can control. That's, you know, you get to decide, oh, unless, despite the arguments and the, the carbon from, from Willis, um, the prefu wasn't that bad, like the state of the books 
there are some troubles, but the the problems have been massively exaggerated, at least from a like why the right might be bad perspective, or why it might be bad for the right perspective. Um, yeah, sure. They, I mean, maybe they're not. Surely they're not going to do a truss. Like, this is why I'm asking about probabilities, right? Like, <sighs> yeah, you'd think not, and like, like genuinely, not. I, again, I disagree with them, but I don't think they're like as. She's, I mean, suicidally incompetent. As Willis is ex NZI, right? She's ex New Zealand Initiative. Yeah, they've got people in the in Luxon's they, office who are ex NZI economists. Oh yeah, they they believe. I'm not doubting their belief, but I yeah. think the contexts are different. Okay. Um, so they won't try to deliberately or unintentionally do anything that like tanks the New Zealand dollar. Um, or loses us our credit rating. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe maybe there's a self-inflicted. I wasn't wasn't thinking about that, but yeah, maybe there's a self-inflicted wound there. Um, but again, those are kind of the you've got more control of like the the levers and the boundaries Absolutely. and what happens. You don't have that in a you can just reverse natural, it, right? Like yeah, a, a natural disaster situation or a foreign policy crisis situation or. A, you know, whatever, who knows what fun the future has in store for us, um, which, you know, um, was Ardern's singular talent, um, and it's a skill set that's going to matter in, over the coming decade. And we might leave it there. Thanks so much for joining me on another uh, uh, pretty beautiful Saturday morning. Pretty sunny, pretty sunny. Wow, look at that. Um, united in weather events uh, across the the two cities. Yeah, we'll we'll probably have some more midweek uh, content for you. We're trying to get more and more and more out whenever we can find the time uh, and the experts to come and talk with us. Uh, thank you for listening. Share it, five star it, leave us some comments. Follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. We're we're on all on Blue Sky. Uh, we we have accounts on all of these uh, social media platforms now. Uh, and let people know that there's some independent progressive media out there uh, that's happy to get angry and swear about the horrible state of things. That's been another week. We'll catch you next time. If our fences are then I'm living a pointless life but learning all your lessons from your politics is no distinction the words are now it's paid with good intentions and I'll admit that I'm at a loss for what to say when they quote this as a cost me or Amongst the people every day